in many ways, it was no-brainer based on my experience. It takes a quite a bit of courage to say, I can fix this from scratch when many people have tried and failed. But the pain for me was fairly obvious. When I left Uber and I thought about what's next, this pain was hard to get rid of. I also was never enamored about being a founder. And I knew if I wanted to be a founder, it had to be about solving real pain. And there was definitely real pain here. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Welcome back, Rebel HR listeners. Extremely excited for the conversation today. With us, we have Prajal Gatak, the CEO and co-founder at OnLoop. He's currently coming to us from Singapore. Really appreciate him spending his evening uh, with us today. He founded OnLoop in 2020 to create a category called Collaborative Team Development to fundamentally reinvent how hybrid teams are assessed and developed. And we're going to be talking all about maybe some provocative things to think about as we think about development and performance management. Prajal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Kalna Malik. Extremely excited to have you here. I'm also excited to have Molly Burdess with us today, who will bring the heat, I'm sure. Welcome, Molly. Thanks, Kyle. No pressure. (laughs) All right, Prajal. Um, So uh, we had a wonderful uh, dialogue before I hit record here. Um, and so I, I think I just want to start with understanding a little bit more about what prompted you to found OnLoop. Yeah, so so OnLoop was pretty much born purely out of personal pain. Um, and I've spent zero time in HR, uh, but I spent a lot of time um, leading and managing teams around the world in many different contexts. Um, and and you know. I, HR in many ways is a little bit misunderstood because it tries to do leaders and managers jobs through a proxy. Uh, But uh, when I spent time at business school, what we were told over and over again, that 90% of your job was to hire, groom, and fire talent. Um, And and, and a lot of leaders on the world would tell you that people and talent are everything. And I I was underwhelmed by the products and processes that I was a recipient of. Uh, throughout my entire career, uh, be it in tech or in finance, in management consulting, um, and felt that I had the conviction, the drive, and the passion to try and rethink a few things from scratch um, and look at them differently fundamentally. I think it's 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 fascinating. Um, I tend to agree with your experience personally, where you know we talk about these things. But we don't necessarily have the right tools um, to to work on them, um, and so I'm I'm curious as you were thinking about kind of the pain points that you mentioned and and um, and, and some of the gaps. What were some of the kind of the key gaps that you realized? Hey, this is missing, and and yeah. this is a problem that I can help solve. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know. Founders talk about founding stories, and there's as one particular situation that I think had a pretty big influence on me pulling the trigger on founding on Loop, and that was me being sent up to the Philippines to go run Uber's Philippines business, and and inheriting a team of forty people two weeks before calibrations and performance reviews, um, and a cycle kicked off 
a bunch of people spent a ton of time writing a lot of things which had zero skim value. And you and you walk into a calibration room and you decide who gets promoted and who gets bonuses. After a lot of time has been spent, but decisions get based on who's the loudest voice in the room and who screams the loudest. And so and so we had a process here that took up a ton of time and and managers went dark for weeks writing 20, 25, 30 reviews. But when you made decisions, they were still extremely biased. And 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 for weeks before the review, you had people being hyper-anxious, be it being an IC, being around, will I be fairly sort of um, reviewed, and managers being anxious about, oh my God, I will write these things from scratch. I don't remember what, I, what happened the last six months. And so... And, and if you talk about the word performance management to every knowledge worker in the world, you will get universal hate. And so, and so you know, I, I, I think that when I got subjected to a particular process year on year, twice a year, and, and absolutely hated it every time, and that got collaborated with uh, everyone I spoke to, you know, that, that's the, you know, that is the... The ripeness of any real startup is a real problem. Unfortunately, there are many startups in the world solving problems that don't exist. And here's a problem that a billion people face, and it's ripe for disruption. And so, uh, you know, in many ways, it was no brainer based on my experience. But, you know, as I've got into it, obviously, it takes a quite a bit of courage to say, I can fix this from scratch when many people have tried and failed. And, and, and that's where the juice is. Uh, but, but the pain for me was fairly obvious. Um, and when I left Uber and I thought about what's next, um, uh, this pain was hard to get rid of. Um, I also was never enamored about being a founder. And I knew if I wanted to be a founder, it had to be about solving real pain. And there was definitely real pain here. Yeah, I think that pain um, is very real. I actually had a focus group with some of my employees one time asking them the exact same questions. Like, what, are, what do you think of, our performance management system and spot on same feedback that, that I received. And I think a lot of times in HR, we don't think we don't put ourselves in that, in that, in those shoes, I guess, to really understand those pain points. No, I appreciate you saying that. And which is why like, and that's why I tell people is that if for me to effectively solve this problem, I have to maniacally serve the end user, right? Because if a patient comes up to me and says, I need brain surgery. I'm not going to operate on that person's brother. I'm going to operate on that person. Um, and, and, and real problems in work and be it Zoom or Slack or Notion or Trello or every, every innovative tech product we talk about has been created when people went and maniacally served the end user. And so, and so for me, I serve managers, leaders, and their teams to effectively build a process that makes them fall in love with things like goals and feedback, which performance management tries to emulate in a way that people hate. And, and, and our job is to build a different process that does the same things in a way that people love. I do hate writing performance evals. <laughs> it's not fun. I love it. You guys are crazy. <laughs> Mostly I hate writing for myself, like the whole self-review thing. And that, oh, you know, yeah. we could probably dig into that, but it's kind of like, ugh, what did I do? Like, <laughs> 
all all you remember is like what happened last month, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, I did something back in February, but I don't even remember what it was because that exactly. feels like three years ago. Um, so so I want to I want to dig into this a little bit because I'm curious more, maybe on a more of a tactical level how this works because you know I think what we've what we've grown up in HR thinking is well. The best way to have an objective review process is to make sure that you have a, you know, a self-eval and people can share their feedback. And then you have a manager share their feedback. And then you have this calibration discussion between managers. And then that calibration, well, thank goodness we've got that because now we've got this really good bell curve of objectivity related to uh, performance evaluations. But at at the heart of it, you already hit on this. It's still extremely subjective. Mm -hmm. it's, It's how the manager's feeling. It's how the employee's feeling. It's how extroverted versus introverted people are. Um, and, and, you know, there's just some inherent bias in a system like that. So as you were building on loop and thinking about this, how did you address some of those, some of those challenges, um, uh, within your tool? Yeah. So, um, you know, all the things you spoke about, so, so around making sure that there is enough input from enough sources, that there is active dialogue around what that really means. None of those things are incorrect. And none of those things that need to be replaced. What, what needs to change is what data those conversations are happening with. And, and the data that those conversations are happening with today are extremely written with recency bias, as you spoke about, um, and have zero skimmability in the data, right? So, so what our product does is it gives teams a product, which is fundamentally a mobile app, also sits within Slack and web, but every habit-forming product in this world is on your phone. And if you're trying to inculcate a regular habit, it needs to be on your phone, period. It needs to be in other places too, but it has to be there. And, and every input into the product is in the form of a capture. And, and what a capture aspires to do is understand the situation behavior impact in that situation, but also what particular type of goal that person was working on that it's tagged to, and also what behaviors came out in that interaction. And the way we think about people's strengths and weaknesses, what is often called the how, which gets discussed in calibrations, is about what behaviors come up the most often. And and typically, if if 40 people or 30 people have made captures on a person, and the most commonly occurring tag in the celebrate category is super inspirational, the person's probably pretty inspirational. And, and you don't need to ask eight people, hey, how would you rate Molly on her ability to inspire? And that's a completely flawed way of thinking about this. It's about how, how many times something comes up. And if many people say the exact same thing over again, well, it's pretty darn good at it. In the, in the same way, if people keep saying that from a attention to detail perspective, Molly could get better, yeah, that's, a, that's an area she probably needs to improve on. Or is a, is a blind spot that she needs to manage by hiring for someone who can do that. And when we walk into a calibration room and Kyle's top tag is growth mindset and responsive to feedback, and Molly's is super inspirational, we can then have a debate and a right transition around in their respective roles, which one matters more. But if there are eight paragraphs on either of you, which gives you no skimmability, you can't have an objective conversation, and then you're dependent on who screams allowance, right? 
So that's that's one, right? So it's about it's about frequency and how you skim it. The second is how goals get set, right? And so if you work in most organizations, people will run towards products and products and projects that are easy to measure and that have visibility. And they're going to run away from projects and products that are hard to measure and have no visibility. But often the most important work in organizations is not, it's not sexy. But because we think about people's goals in rigid systems like OKRs, people run towards the stuff that's sexy. And so, and so we think about people's goals as targets they need to reach, projects they need to complete, and behavioral and hard skills they need to get better at. And we need to think about each person's work as a holistic understanding of those four things and not rigid frameworks that make measurable work be seen better than others. And so we, we try to get a lot cleaner about really understanding how, how each person evolves and then, and then how you sort of compound and summarize that input to just have better conversations around people outcomes. And then because we know that there has to be a system of record or a review to be written, we're using the latest in generative AI and products like GPT-3 to, to help AI write that out in human-like ways. And, and that technology is only going to get better. There's a company called Jasper that, that just raised the $125 million Series A that helps people write marketing copy. And you know what? When a system has analyzed every Facebook ad in the world, it writes marketing copy better than human beings in most cases. And, and if a system has read employee reviews in every possible way and has eight disparate inputs that can then compose it into a great paragraph that saves people time from writing the data and gives them time to have the real conversations to propel things forward. And, and that's just a much better way to think about how we develop people versus focusing the energy on, on writing pros that may not actually get used the right way for the person's development. <laughs> I've been there. I wrote that comment that just made perfect sense when I wrote it. And then I sit down and do the review and I'm like, what was I trying to say? <laughs> so this is fascinating. I think in, and I think one of the things that's really compelling about this is, you know, it, it's hitting on one of the biggest challenges of, of HR is that, you know, this is the, you know, you use the term rigid framework, you know, our jobs are not linear. Mm-hmm. You know, cause and effect in many cases is almost impossible to identify because we're dealing with human behavior. You know, it's like it's like quantum physics versus like eighth grade algebra, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, there, there's not always a clear cause and effect. And sometimes because of the complexity of somebody's motivations and tendencies and behaviors and et cetera, you know, writing these reviews are just really freaking hard mm-hmm. sometimes. And especially if you don't have good good data. So, and I appreciate you picking good, good adjectives for Molly and myself. That was, that helped my ego feel good about that. hundred so. <laughs> percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Growth mindset. I like that one. That, that was good. Um, one, one thing I'm, I'm, I'm curious to understand a little bit more about is, so you're talking about like this, this, this habit forming on the, on, mm. on the phone and kind of, and, and you know, what I heard, I want to understand this. I, I think I, I get it, but I want to understand this a little bit more. What I heard is it's almost like you're turning like a 360 feedback or like a consistent, like, uh, you know, peer review, maybe manager review process into something 
that has, you know, it's, it's almost gamified a little bit. And it's, it's like something like that. Is that, is that the idea here? So I don't like the word gamified. Uh, and, and it, and, and listen, Instagram's not a game. Your, your mailbox is not a game. LinkedIn's not a game. And the products you use the most often in your product are not a game, but you do go back to them. And that's because it gives you a reward every time you go back to them. And, and you also know what enrichment from the product looks like. So, so, the, so, so addictive games give you a target and give you a reward. Um, as a result of using them more often, and the and the place that the, the place that we get quite a bit of inspiration from is from fitness, um, and fitness products have have got a lot better in the last seven or eight years, and that's because it gave people tangible targets to hit. So, so when the Fitbit said hit ten thousand steps, people started walking a whole lot, right? When the Apple Watch said close three rings, people were like, I want to close those three rings, and and without that, it's hard to give people outcomes around things that are hard to measure and things like, you know, doing feedback more regularly or setting goals the right way. When, when, when there's fires, burnings and things to do and tasks to finish, it's hard to see the tangibility of doing those things more often. And so, and so, you know, we haven't fully realized this vision yet, but the direction we're going is, is how can we give people a tangible outcome here to, to sort of, hold their hat on to say, okay, if I do these three things better in the next week or two, my team's going to be functioning better and have more clarity and develop better. And therefore I should do it. Uh, because, you know, many, many high-performing managers are, you know, goal-oriented people. And so you got to give them specific reasons to go do a certain thing. And we just haven't done that around products and processes that that make people better. We've done that around getting work done. We haven't done that when it comes to making people better. And so people deserve products that sit at parity in, in making it as enriching and as rewarding um, to, to drive people's performance and people development alongside just getting tasks done. I think that's one. Um, I, I think the second thing is, um, you know, with, with the move to hybrid, and maybe we'll talk about this, um, I think I think leaders and and teams alike are just a lot more anxious about are they on track and are they moving in the right direction and do they have the right clarity on on what they're working towards? Um, and so we're working pretty hard to figure out how we can help managers better encapsulate and measure. Hey, does does team member A have clarity on on where they're going and 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 what interventions they can make? Uh, to give them more clarity um, and sort of mimic some of the in-person loops that we had um, through a product that makes it easier. So instead of checking Slack messages or email messages just for what activity happened, can that be compounded in a way to tell people, actually, Molly's great because she's she's flying and and progressing and 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 kicking ass on her objectives and and getting the right feedback. But maybe Kyle's not quite sure what he should do next week, and um, and maybe he's checking and see what to do. So um, you know, I, I what what is super exciting for me is that people haven't figured out hybrid work, and the technology today doesn't work for hybrid teams. Period. Uh, and with the current sort of technology, in person work is better than hybrid work, but hybrid work is here to stay, and we've got to build better technology to make that work for teams. Um, and we see. 
us as part of that solution to make that future better. I think a lot of executives are concerned about how they review performance management in the hybrid workspace. But before we go there, I'm curious about your your thoughts on timeframes of performance management, performance reviews. I think that's been a really hot topic lately. You know, is one once a year, does that make sense or does it not? Like, what are your thoughts? Question is, what are you trying to achieve out of it? Right. So, so I don't, I don't think you're going to give bonuses out on a continuous basis or you're going to change pay scales on a continuous basis. Right. So, so I think it goes back to what is the objective here? So when it comes to particular changes in compensation, I think that needs to be a periodic review. Right. So, and, and, and in most cases, that's, that's probably once a year where you do a major review on how people are compensated, where they get promoted. Um, whether get whether they get bonuses, etc. Right. Um, two is are people moving the right way to move the business forward? Right. Where where there's an there's a there's a very critical linkage between the two, and most businesses around the world are running on a quarterly rhythm, right? And so 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 from that perspective, there should essentially be a quarterly understanding of is my organization running productively to meet the outcomes of the business? Because if it isn't then you might have to make some personal changes, changes, change who you hire, affect what your roadmap looks like around org compensation. And then there is sort of, is each person achieving the full potential and moving the right way? And that's probably a monthly cadence on making sure that, that a monthly one-on-one is spent time on really understanding are people on track, are they getting the right feedback, are they growing at that level? So, 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 so it's, it's, it's a question of, what you're trying to achieve with it, which is why I, I think the concept of performance management is broken. I think people's goals, feedback, development needs to review at different organizational cadences, depending on what you're doing with that information and what is the outcome of that conversation. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, um, you know, from from my standpoint, one of the challenges I struggle with is kind of the, you know, how, how much feedback do I give and how much space do I give, you know, as a leader? And, and as I have people who are, you know, maybe struggling, there's some people that are, you know, like, if they could ask me a question every day about something they're working on, they would. I, mm-hmm. you know, I think you mentioned earlier, kind of that the people that crave the feedback, uh, you know, there's some that do, and there's some that are like, you know, the less you talk to me, the better I feel. <laughs> I try not to take that personally, but you know, there, there are some of those on my team, but you know, I, I think it's really, it's really interesting to, to think about it, you know, in, in, a, in a little bit of a different context as far as what, what the individual actually needs. Um, and then I think, you know, to think about this in the context of the hybrid work model, which my team's hybrid, I'm mm-hmm. hybrid. Um, I'm also traveling all the time. So I've, I've always been hybrid. I'm, I'm here, there, I'm everywhere. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to understand a little bit more about how you know, how this addresses kind of that problem of, you know, making sure that you have consistent performance management and, and like real conversations, not like, Hey, how's it going? Okay, good. You know, we'll talk next week. Like, like how, how does, how do we translate some of the, you know, I think all of us want to give good feedback, have high functioning teams, make sure we're developing our people, but it's hard in this environment. So, so how, how can we address that hybrid problem? So, so I think I think 
first is the connotation of feedback. Now, there's an assumption that feedback is inherently constructive. But, but every piece of research that you'll see will tell you that feedback on your core strengths is more valuable than constructive feedback. Constructive feedback is, is important, but being able to identify your true superpowers is actually more important than the other. And research also shows that people are very good at giving celebratory feedback or strength-based feedback, and people are bad at receiving strength-based feedback. And on the other hand, people are bad at giving constructive or improvement feedback, and, and people are actually very good at receiving constructive feedback, especially if there's a trusted relationship um, on either side. Um, I think a lot of the core issue that we see is around knowing the right language um, and knowing the right delivery without confusing the emotion with the substance of what actually needs to happen. So, so in our product, when someone makes celebratory feedback, the product really pushes them to share it right away. And actually, one of the mm. biggest dopamine hits that we've seen in the product is someone receiving a shared capture around someone making a celebratory feedback. On the other hand, when someone makes it improved, we actually don't let them share it through the phone. And we actually pause and say, hey, improvement feedback is better shared in person. However, we highly encourage people to write it down in the moment because it does two things. One, it takes the emotion away. So if the, the frustration goes away and write it down, and then our behavioral tags help you actually think about what was the behavior that could have been better. It's not that X person sucks. It is that X person was not hyper-responsive after the meeting, right? And, and, and if you're stuck in, this person sucks, I don't know what to do, then that, that experience does not go well. But if it is, listen, this behavior of yours doesn't serve you well, that's easier conversation. I am bloody disorganized and I own it now, right? And I, and, and, and there's no shame about it. We're all flawed as human beings, and that's okay, right? I have many other strengths that I can focus on, but that should not be a binary judgment of, am I good or am I bad, right? Am I a high performer or low performer? It is, an, it is a more nuanced understanding of, of what your superpowers and blind spots are. And, and with the product, we help people drive through that nuance in a way with the inputs that we ask for so that when it's delivered, is delivered in a way that actually feels like it's it's helpful for the other person uh, versus loaded with emotion, um, and use a combination of writing it down in a product and delivering it separately. And you know, like we're working more and more with teams where we'll help them through an experience and run workshops where we'll we'll help make that make that sort of role play better to think through. Uh, but for me personally, it's really helped me as a leader to write the improved feedback in the moment to also release it, but then really think about, okay, what was the actual behavior that the person could have done better versus my frustration around it? Does that, does that answer the question? Yes, I think, and I think it's, I, I like the way you frame it, you know, and, and I think this is one of the areas that I, certainly I tend to get involved in is when, when a leader is trying to deal with the, the, the emotional reaction to performance versus the actual substance of the actual behavior that has kind of the root of the performance yeah. issue. And, and, you know, I think, I think it's, you know, it, it's fascinating 
again, that all feedback is not the same. I think that's another really important point that I wanted to hit on again. You know, the fact that like that immediate in the moment recognition, the dopamine hit, the endorphins, the like excitement, the, 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 you know, the, the, the warm glow that an employee can get from that should be shared, you know, on the spot. But, um, you know, the, the, the cold hammer of, of negative feedback, maybe, maybe it's not great to do that on the spot every single day. No, unless, no, unless I just want to be a tyrant. <laughs> we, we strongly believe that radical transparency kills psychological safety. Mm. And, and this is coming from a hard charging CEO leader who's not all warm hugs and fuzzy about this, but it is the receptivity to feedback is very important on how it lands. And which is why I'm very vocally against radical transparency and, and leaders who, who believe that telling people in a meeting that they sucked because of X, Y, and Z wrong in front of the peers is actually a good thing for the organization. It is good in the short term, but they all leave after 18 months. Um, and, and maybe that's one way of building culture. I don't particularly believe that's the right way to build culture. Uh, and I think I'm a pretty hardcore, hard-charging leader, and I still don't think it's a good way to build culture. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds a little harsh. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is, is really interesting about the entire conversation here is, you know, it, we're talking about something that can be really difficult to do. We're talking about a tool and a way to do it. But what I'm hearing is kind of the underlying approach here is to add a little bit of kind of personal humanity into the into the, this process so that it's not a check the box let's rank everybody against each other let's force everybody to do uh you know the same thing am i am i am i on the right track here am i am i understanding yeah, I, the vision i, I feel i've made a good job here because i and so <laughs> our our you know one of my very first slides around Sort of our early pitch decks talked about how we've given managers tools that check, check HR checkboxes and not tools that mimic the human experience of thinking about developing the teams the right way. And so, and the words that the press picked up earlier on were bite-sized and approachable. And, 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 and how do we bring more approachability towards an experience that can feel cold? Because if something feels cold, people run away from it, but if it feels approachable, people do it. And, and what was very interesting is we found a lot of traction with creative agencies and like, and like creative folks with our product early on, which was, which was not something we'd expected, but that's because um, they, they tend to have an early adopter mindset to products, uh, which actually I think is super important uh, when you think about disruption and, and different functions and different orgs have different proportions of early adopters. And, uh, and that's a and that's a true thing when it comes to startups and and there's a reason why um, startups in Silicon Valley that that sort of pitch to engineers and designers do really well because that's a very ripe high concentration of of early adopter folks um, and then and then and then B you know it's a people business in the creative industry where it's about sort of quantifying stuff that's hard to quantify so. Um, there's a, there's an emphasis on developing people, right? And, um, and, and it's the same thing as, as working out and eating well and, 
and sleeping well. Like there's not a single person who denied that those things are good things to do. But if you don't give people ways to do it in a way that feels enjoyable or measurable, they're not going to do it, no matter how good it is for them. And that's why despite a gazillion and one webinars on how to give and receive feedback, it still doesn't get better. And that's because if you don't give people the right aids to do it better, no matter how much you preach it, it's not going to happen. If you tell people, this is how you run a triathlon, but then give them wooden shoes to run, they're not going to run. <laughs> no matter how many times you tell them, this is how you run a triathlon. <laughs> and, so, and so we've got to stop preaching and we've got to give people the right aid so that they can actually do it the right way every day. But, but now, but now yeah, I got a but, goal. I'm going to wear wooden shoes the next try I do. There you go. But, but, <laughs> but, but, you're, but you're right, Kyle. As in what we're trying to do here is, is change the philosophy and build a tech product that is able to mimic that the right way and, and let people experience that every day without a consultant coming and telling them what to do. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's fascinating, uh, fascinating approach. Certainly a tool that uh, I think is worth we're checking out and I, I really appreciate the, the kind of the dialogue and the, and the difference in thinking about one of these things that we are always essentially forced to do at least every year. So with that being said, we're going to shift gears. We're going to go into the rebel HR flash round. So uh, question number one, where does HR need to rebel? In maniacally serving the end user. Yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway from this is I think so many times in HR, we just do what we've always done, right? And it's, we really need to step back and think about who, who is this for, what this is doing and what our business needs. So absolutely agree with that. Couldn't agree more. All right. Question number two, who should our list, who should we be listening to? Yeah. So there's a guy called Michael Jarvis who runs a podcast called Finding Mastery. Uh, and I and I find that there is a pretty large diversity of speakers on his podcast, um, where it spans business performance and just human performance in general. And so I find that deeply enriching, inspiring. I think podcasts in general are an amazing medium, and um, I'm a way better founder for that medium, and I'm I'm very grateful for it. So thank you for the work that you guys do. Well, appreciate that. And appreciate you spending some time with us today. All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you and learn more? Yeah, it's onloop.com. And, and my name is Projong Kata. Again, if you, if you Google onloop, you'll find me. Um, and so LinkedIn's probably easy. And I check every single LinkedIn message that comes to my LinkedIn mailbox. So um, if you find me and it's not a cold inbound from someone selling something to me with my name incorrect, I <laughs> Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> All right. And, and yeah, I, Prajal, it's just been absolutely wonderful uh, talking through this with you. I really appreciate you taking this on and, and helping us try to solve this problem. It's a, it's a problem I've, I've seen. I know Molly's seen it uh, through the course of my career um, and I'm excited to, to dig in myself and learn more. So uh, really appreciate you spending the time with us today. No, thank you. And I, I hope the candor shows that I actually care about solving it and and, and conversations like this only get me more excited to keep going. So, so thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, 
or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.